Then as I was watching the worship, and yes, that was worship. There's always a there's always a crowd of uh, people who don't like that as worship. And the Kim Walker Smith song, I was I was thinking, you know, she said, "Let the spirit move you, dance, dance, dance. Let the spirit move you, dance, dance, dance." And it brought back to my mind, yeah. You know, there are some churches, if you did that, they would dance you right out the front door. But it also made me think if David was there, he'd be down in the crowd dancing. It made me think when he brought the ark back, the presence of God back to the tabernacle, and he danced to his drawers were about ready to fall off, and how it offended his wife, Michael. But how it pleased the Lord. So whether you dance or don't dance is not the question. It's, are you pleasing the Lord with what you do? Well, where do we start today? As we have uh, gone through the last three weeks, what I've, I've tried to get you to understand is, you know, there's just so many doctrines about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but Several points, and, and I'm going to go back to the the very first ones that we picked up from Dr. Keithley well over a year ago, is that we live totally by grace. Gosh, don't forget that. And it's not just your grace, but it's the grace you extend to other people. We live in the finished work of the cross. And that's one of the things I've been trying to get you to understand, and I, th I know you understand it, but sometimes it just sits on us like old dust, and we don't, we don't appreciate that everything in the world changed at the cross. The whole world changed at the cross. Nothing was the same after the cross. And yes, Jesus was, I don't know what to call it, so much of the world since Jesus was a great teacher, great man, but they only see him before the cross. They don't understand that the <coughs> there's a lot of good teachers, and kind, gentle men and women in the world do lots of wonderful things. But if Jesus hadn't gone to and through the cross, we would have never changed. We benefit from that. And that's one of the things I want you to understand. And because he did that, because he, he, he went from Redeemer to our redemption, we receive so much that we have tried to make under our own control and our own understanding. And it the Holy Spirit isn't under your control. Uh, if you try to control him, the biggest thing you're going to get is he's going to just walk back and let you go ahead. Show the world what you can do. It's so important that we are so conscious of the Holy Spirit 
that we are Christ conscious and not sin conscious. See, sin conscious is pre-cross. That's where we were before the cross. That's where a lot of churches preach now. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta get rid of that. You gotta get rid of that sin, or you'll never get to the other side of the cross. I didn't get myself to the other side of the cross. Jesus did. And in John 1 9, you have to understand that the light of Christ is in every man, already in every man. It's nothing that we've done, it is pure grace. The baptism, the infilling, whatever term you want to use, is grace. God doesn't show any favoritism. He doesn't do anything like that. It's just all because of His mercy and grace that we are able to be a habitation of God. After the cross, when we accept by His faith, when we accept it, we have we have set ourselves up for something glorious. We have brought the Holy Spirit to come and reside in us. We haven't, by our own efforts or our own chantings or our own meditations or our own doctrines or our own principles or our own leadership or our own anything, brought the Holy Spirit. He dwells in us by grace because we have allowed the Holy Spirit to move in us when we allowed Jesus to move in us. And that's all you have to do is say, I want you. I, I just want you. And I know we've, we've all had different experiences. We talked about some last week, the things we've seen and done to try to obtain the Holy Spirit. I remember one elderly man used to sit and weep because he could not get the tongues. He thought so he didn't have the Spirit. He was such under such condemnation. I can't. Why can't I get the Holy Spirit to live in me? What a doctrine to teach us that. So I want you all to be aware that the Holy Spirit already resides in you. And I know there's there's uh, doctrines that teach, you know, you have to speak in tongues first. I, I went through that way. You know, they could, they could argue it from then on. You know, you're not allowed to even teach in that or be in that assembly unless you profess that kind of makes me wonder how many people profess it but don't even have it but God is good he is he is in all men you need you need to see him you need to know him but today I want to talk about two different things the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Again, things you've probably all heard, but I'm going to tell you what I see. Check out what I tell you. 
Ask me any question you want to ask. I'll answer it the way I see it, the way I understand it. And we'll just go from there. I am not an authority on any of this. I know my, my views have changed over the last few years. But my views have changed on most things the last few years. And boy, do I feel freer than I've ever felt before. I do not feel under any condemnation. Not even when family members think I'm a little strange for things I might say or do. But I, I want to start first with the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to go to First Peter 1, verse 2. Set this up. Starts off, You have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling by His blood. What I want you to really see there is all Peter's saying is it wasn't anything you did. You were chosen. This is not predestination. He's just telling everybody they are chosen by God. And they have been sanctified by God. And the four obedience is a stumbling block for a lot of people. All you have to do is say be obedient and they think you become the trained dog of whoever holds the leash. There's such a difference of obedience out of great love or obedience out of great fear. And the Father, we give our obedience out of the great love that he has for us and the shedding of his blood. Let's go down to verse... I was going to read these out of the mirror. Let's go into the mirror. Let me go back and read that again out of First Peter, the, the first verses. It gives a little bit better understanding. I'm in First Peter 1, verse 2. This is how it reads in the mirror. Your original identity is defined but what God by what God the Father of humanity has always cherished about you. How your pre Adamic innocence would be preserved in the prophetic word and your redeemed through the obedience of Jesus Christ, and the effect of the sprinkling of the blood, realizing his grace and peace exceed any definition or contradiction or reward. That even gives a different meaning to obedience. It's not your obedience, it's his obedience. Your original identity is defined by what God the Father has always cherished about you. I've, we've had a couple of experiences through our, in our family the last couple of weeks. And, and it's all come down to, I told my wife yesterday, I said, it's, it all comes down to these people members of my family have no idea what their identity is. Have no idea what your identity is. Do you know who you are? And I don't condemn them for it because I had no idea. Be your own man. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Do it on your own. Be tough. Be a man. Be independent. I'm a self-made man. No. The third thing that 
Dr. Keith Lee, Principal. We are created in the image and likeness of our God. If it seems standing on the on this side, even say this side of the cross, which Terry is going to teach something on that next week, East being Easter. But even seeing that, how much easier it is. I don't define myself. I don't need the dollar signs or titles. I have I have a real good friend that he's a doctor. He likes to be introduced as doctor. Okay. I guess that's why my my disdain for titles is why I I pick bishop. <laughs> <laughs> Because it means absolutely nothing. It means absolutely nothing. See, being a bishop doesn't matter. I, I look like my dad. And I'm in his image. And that's where my joy is. I have no idea where I'm going today. This is just unlike me. First Peter 1. Let's go to 18 and 19. Just move a couple pages, depending how. I'm still in the mirror. First Peter 1, 18 and 19. It is clear to see that you were ransomed, ransomed from the fertility, fallen mindset that you inherited from your fathers. Not by the currency of your own labor, represented by the fluctuating value of gold and silver, and the economy of your efforts, religious efforts. But you were redeemed with the priceless blood of Christ. He is the ultimate sacrifice, spotless and without blemish. He completes the prophetic picture. The cross changed everything. It's not the value of your gold and silver. It's not your titles. And if, if you have a... a a mirror that you you read. I, I do not skip his notes underneath. Those are those are rich when you read those. I just want to read just out of his out of his notes under this these last verses, one line. Try to get you to see this. It says here, deity would clothe themselves in human skin, and a son and the Lion of Judah would become the Lamb of God. In order to free our minds to rediscover His image and likeness in our skin. What a thought. You want something to ponder on? Ponder on that. That God, His own deity, would become flesh and blood. That we may rediscover our likeness and our image. And after the cross, we are able to have God again live in us. Yeah, it does say, Christ in us, the hope of glory. See, it's nothing we've done. It's what the Father has given us. And gosh, we struggle with it. And I don't understand why all the time. But I can look back at my life and I can see, yep, I remember that. I can remember those struggles. See, uh, give you another example of Christ 
the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the, the Holy Spirit is living in you. An example of it. When we were, quote, born again, and the Spirit of God, after Jesus went to be with the Father and the Holy Spirit fell and, and filled, and now fills us when we just become His, we go back to a place where we originally were supposed to be, in the Garden of Eden. See, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve both had the privilege of eating from the tree of life. They had full permission to eat from that all the time. They knew their, who they were created in the image of. They knew who they belonged to. Can I say that the Holy Spirit lived in Adam? No, I can't say that because the Holy Spirit was with Adam. There, there was a difference at that time. There had been no fall. He walked with God every day. Not just in prayer or meditation. He physically walked with God every day. So he was walking with Jesus in and walking with the Holy Spirit. And that's where God in bringing Jesus to the earth and making him flesh and then going through the process of the cross allowed us to go back to the garden. And we take the Holy Spirit in and it comes into us. And there's there's several stories of, and I'm not going to read through it, but in Galatians 4, 20, starting verse 21, is, is the story that of Hagar and, and Sarah, Adam's wife and Adam's servant, concubine. And Peter tells Abraham, sorry, Abraham. And... It just it just tells the story of Sarah was the one that was promised through, and Hagar was the one that if you want to eat from the tree of knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you would eat from that tree and you would try to figure out a better plan. Didn't work for Abraham. And he points out that the promise does not come through eating from that tree. But it's amazing how man has eaten from that tree and tried to, tried to get glimpses of of where he should be. And, and you know, we understand that the light of, of Christ is in all men. And we've always had that light. And it made me think yesterday as I was pondering this, that now that we eat from the, the tree of life, we're eating as we were in the garden. We have the tree of the promise of, of Jesus. But the world still does want to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, of self-effort and law. That made me think of a, a song that some of you may know. If you ever, any of you ever go to Woodstock? You know, there's more people said they were at Woodstock than probably live in the United States. <laughs> but there was a song in there, and I've seen the movie several times. I enjoy the movie. But there's a song in there called Woodstock. And since I forgot my phone, I forgot to have the lyrics in front of me. But basically, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young sang a song. It's 
basically they're going to Woodstock, they're going to Yasker's farm. They want to get back because we have to get back to the garden. So even, even the heathen man knows that there was something lost in the garden. And as, as silly as it sounds, there's, a, there's an inkling of truth that they're the way they wanted to get back was just to numb everything and just pretend everything was okay. No, that's okay. But we've got to get back to the garden. Little did they know that there was a way to get back to the garden. The garden can be in you again, and you, and you, can, you can eat from the tree that was in the garden. Now, as some people feel you need to speak in other tongues before you can show that you have the Spirit living in you, I, I would say if you're eating from a tree, you're going to reproduce the fruit of that tree. And as you reproduce the fruit of the tree, everybody will know what is in you. The fruit of the Spirit is something that we all have because we eat from the true tree. We eat from the tree of life. We eat from Jesus. All these songs were about joy. And I tell you, yeah, they're fun to listen to, but you can't work up joy. You cannot work up joy in your own flesh. It will become hollow. But the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, endurance, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control, will start budding out of you. You want you want people... If somebody were to ask you for a sign, they will know you by the love you have for your brother. Everything... And Scripture talks about the fruit of the Spirit, the things that come out of you, and they're effortless. A tree does not put effort into putting fruit out. It draws on its roots, and it and it, it happens. I hear parents hollering at their kids, why can't you be kind to your brother? Why can't you have any self-control? And how people feel totally unloved that they fight for their own things and their own wants, but that spirit that's in you, it just oozes that. That's why people come to you and say, what's different in you? What, what do I see in you that's different? It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not anything I do. It's what grows in me because I eat from the tree of life, who is Christ. Gosh, how we struggle with this. And if you start doing these, trying to get these things in your own control and for your own ambition, for your own desires, it won't work. Because, see, this fruit of the Spirit is part of the original design. It's what you were designed to look like. You're not going to get these things by becoming a monk or a nun or going off and meditating. 
going off and sitting under a great teacher or something like that. They are gifts that come out of you, that are your joy. They're part of your original design. And just a point, if you don't show these gifts all the time, do not be discouraged. If you don't have self-control all the time, it's okay. It's okay. In an orchard, the little trees don't always show the full fruit. And these are all by faith. It's not something that's been added on to us because we are good Jesus people. But it is for all, as we talked about last week. The fruit will develop. And the thing is, when that fruit develops, the conflict that you've had because you've been eating from the tr the knowledge of good and evil for so long in your life will start to diminish. So you can't have both these trees living in you at the same time. There's not a battle of good and evil in you. There is good in you. There is good in you. There is good in you. You have a good, good father and he lives in you. Your actions may look like you're eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You might try to work things out for yourself. But that's not who you are. And as you try to live those things out in yourself from eating from, I can do this. I got a plan. I know what I know what to do with that person. I know what to say to that person. I got a plan. Yeah, you can do that, but you also get the repercussions of your plan. See, the plans that God has for you are to prosper you. They're good plans. And he lives in you. And you want to you want to take that fruit and you want to crush it, you can. If you, if you want to try to live, you can. If you want to live by your own knowledge and your own understanding. But the tree will replace. See, the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm going to go through a list of... I gave you a list of the things from the tree of life, but you want to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, making your own decisions. See, we've all been there. We go back and sample the fruit from time to time. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I'm just telling you that this is the way you used to be. The way you can be. See, the fruit of the tree of good and evil is sexual immorality. Ding, ding, ding. Impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, and orgies. You, know, you don't have to fill out on a card each one that you know you used to participate in. And hand them in and we'll pray for you. <laughs> you see, that's we used to eat from that tree. And that's what we got. And we got, 
Where is Jesus in this? Why hasn't he helped me? Where's your God when bad things happen? Why did those children have to die? You get the whining crowd. Because they want to eat from the tree that they want to eat from. They don't understand the goodness. And in all the things that can happen in our life, I don't understand all the things that could happen. But you have a choice of what tree you want to eat from. One's growing in you. It will push the other one totally out. But don't be discouraged. If every once in a while you pick up some of that rotten food on the ground and stick it in your mouth. God still loves you. He still loves you. We will all, we will all stumble until we're with him totally. But the fruit is a gift. If I could have a little bag of all those fruits, I'd give it to each one of you because those are yours to possess, to eat all the time. They come as grace. They're given to you to enjoy, to enjoy peace as if all the grandkids have gone home. The noise level is down. The wife is happy and the lions are winning their football game. Ah, peace. I think we slopped over into the flesh. Let's talk a little bit about gifts of the Spirit. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, where you probably thought I was going, and those of you that have read these before. 1 Corinthians 12, and I'll start in verse 1. And I think the first verse is so, so good. And I'm reading from the NIV. Paul says, Now about the spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. Don't be ignorant about these gifts. Don't be arrogant about them either. I'm going to read through verse 11. It starts off, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Spirit, Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God. Working all of them in all, all, all men and women. Now to each, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the, through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith and by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To other, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. And to others, distinguishing spirits. And to others, speaking different kinds of tongues. And to Still another, the interpretation of tongues. 
All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. find it interesting that speaking in tongues is way down the list. I don't know if he listed them for any reason for that, but they're way down the list. But some of the points I want you to understand here. There are different gifts and the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but the same God. Everyone shares in these gifts, and they are given for the common good. We've seen it demonstrated, and by what you said last night, it was demonstrated again, but two weeks ago when we had our message given by the Holy Spirit, we saw prophecy given. That was what the Holy Spirit wanted to have Norm speak to us. Prophecy in a different way. Linda had a message for us. Norman is not a prophet, and Linda is not a prophetess. Too many people think, since I can do that, I get the name to put on my hat. I will take off bishop, and I will put prophet. They grab onto those. Those are gifts given by the Holy Spirit for the time that the Holy Spirit wants to manifest something for the good of all the people. You see people go, I have the gift of healing. I am a healer. Come to me. We will take an offering later on. Healing may move through these people, but it's the Holy Spirit that gives the gift. It is not the person. It is not the ministry. It is not what the person says about themselves or the great stories they can tell. Because I don't care who you are, you got some cool stories you can tell about what the Lord has done in your life and things you have seen. Some of them just go right by you and you just don't even realize it was the Lord. There is office of the prophet. I don't get to put that person in that office. God puts that person in that office. Same as tongues for a crowd. You know, there's a, there, there is a difference between speaking in a congregation of giving a word in tongues. If you don't have the word of interpretation and nobody can give it, don't give it. It's for the benefit of all the people. I'm not talking about your simple prayer language that you talk to the Father with. That's between you and Him. That is not for you to stand up in a congregation and hubba bubba hubba bubba hubba bubba so everybody looks over toward you and just as a note i have as much as some of the things that i have experienced in the assemblies of god some of the things that i did experience that were right was leave the sanctuary now that's not of god stop a message in front of 3000 people and say Ma'am, out of here. Now. And he meant it. Be like Terry saying, out. Greg, get that person out of here. Because it was not proper. It was not of God. 
other discerning of spirits. You know, there, there's some areas each one of us think we, we, we might understand, have a little deeper understanding than we may have experienced it. Discerning of spirits. Sharon, I, you know that person that's talking over there? The Holy Spirit's telling me that's not of God. That's not my spirit. I want you to know that. See, the Holy Spirit does that. Don't know the reason he's telling Sharon. May be something for Sharon to let everybody know. But it may be something for Sharon to protect her spirit. Everything you hear from God does not have to be shared with everybody in the congregation. It does not exalt you to a position or an honor. The more you get in ministry, the more you stand in front of people. I don't understand prophecy. I just know sometimes I stand in front of people and just things are just seem so obvious. And I tell them what it looks like. It's obvious. And sometimes you get, <sighs> believe me, it's nothing. And you all know and you said, well, you remember when you said that, Greg, or the message? I don't remember these things. I don't know if it's, eh, because I'm 67 or 66 years old. I am a conduit. A gift flows through me to you for you to do with as you want. It is not mine to handle, to manipulate, to exalt, or to put down. And God may use these things in combinations. You know, I, I, we shared the last couple Thursday nights ago about something that Terry and I both had the same word of wisdom one time. Same as Terry shared today that, you know, he said something to a man and prophet. Ed finally got here from his plane connections and he said the same thing. Those are the things that amaze me. I mean, because I know the, the thing that happened between Terry and I a couple of years ago that there is no way. It's, it's amazing. But it's the spirit did that. Not for Terry, not for Greg, but for that person. It is not for me to deal with that. Gift of knowledge. That doesn't make you understand two and two is four. It gives you an understanding of situations that are going on and a different way to see them. I think it's a gift that the church is <laughs> not too well used. You may get knowledge of another person. You may get knowledge of what somebody else may be thinking of doing in the future. You may get knowledge of what somebody else is doing right now. And the Lord may want you to speak that. But you know when you speak things, you offend people. And you don't speak them just to offend people. And you don't speak them just because you know them, but you speak them for the person's protection. I had an experience once ministering to a man. I had no idea who he was, anything about him. I was new in ministering, and a very close friend of mine who was one of the elders was working with me. And this, uh, I looked at this young man, and I said, flirtation, you better stop it. There's somebody at your work that you're flirting with, you better stop it. Went on to the next one. 
Well, he went and got the elder. How dare that man say that about me? He doesn't even know me. The elder who was wise said, Is there somebody? Well, I've just been taking my secretary out for lunch, but she and I are by ourselves. And he looked at him and says, Take it as a warning. You don't know what's down the road. Take it as a warning. You better stop. I may not have handled that in the best way. But the Lord is gracious to take what he wants the person to know to bring it out before him so he would understand. It's not always good to know other people's secrets. Sometimes it's very embarrassing and scary because when you know other people's secrets, you're not there to expose them. Remember that you are not there to expose other people's secrets. So, Lord has really put something on your heart. I suggest you go to Terry or to myself and speak it privately. God has a way of getting his truth out to people. He uses his Holy Spirit and he uses who he needs at the time for what he wants to do. The gifts are there. The Spirit are not for you to manipulate, to make into a ministry. They are for the Holy Spirit to use in the body. Ananias and Sapphira. Enough said. I hope you all know that story. What I want you to understand is the gifts of the Spirit, as opposed to the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit is yours. It will come out. The gifts are the spirit are for the body. And in verse 11 of what I just read, I want to go back because it's so important. It says, all these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. He is the one, the Holy Spirit, that is alive in you that says, now, here. And you do what you're supposed to do, and you're done. You have a word of prophecy? Make sure it's just not your flesh. See, our flesh really likes to give words of prophecy. But give enough words of prophecy that are wrong, and you'll learn what the flesh looks like. It stinks. But the Spirit is gracious, and He will get what He wants done out. So, all this changed at the cross. All this happened because of the cross. We are one body because of the cross. We have one Lord because of the cross. I watched a movie the other day. kind of really bugged me after I'm a science fiction nut. And this professor was moving. He had been in this college for 20 years, and he was moving out of his college. And his friends, other professors, came over, five or six of them, and they were helping him move his stuff out. And he says, let me tell you a story. Here's the science fiction part. He said, uh, what would you say if a man told you he's been walking on the earth for 14,000 years? 
So they get into all this intellectual jibber-jabber and stuff. Well, the story comes down as obvious was written by an atheist because this man says he was Christ. And he had been taught by Buddha all the wonders and ancient things. I'm going, oh my goodness. And that, yeah, he was crucified, but he had learned from Buddha how to hold the pain in and resurrect himself. The stupidity of man to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I find that harder to believe than I do the real resurrection. I also came up with law of averages. After 14,000 years, a rock would have fallen on your head or somebody hit you with a car or somebody mugged you or something, you would have died. No, he just went through the 14,000 years walking the earth and you know, it was time for him to move on because everybody wondered why he didn't get old. Of course, they had the nominal Christian in there that sat and weeped. and It's a lie. It's a lie. See, the cross did change everything. It changed every one of us. You've got this wonderful spirit that lives within you. You have the spirit of God that lives in you. That when you are needed to do something, he will say, hey, do this. And he has fruit that grows out of you that not only benefits you, but benefits everyone around you. Who wouldn't want to live with someone that showed all the fruit of the Spirit? We don't always show that Spirit, that fruit. I want to leave you with this. You are back in a position when the image and likeness of God lives in you. It is whether it's you want to look at it as gifts or fruit, you have both. But I tell you, it's yours to use or not use. I think it's better to realize who I look like and who I'm supposed to be like. Because things are going to come against me. There's going to be ripples in the pond that I didn't cause that are going to happen. But to know who you're created to look like and be like makes it so much better. You all have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. I declare that. It is yours. You will show forth His fruit and you will be used as the Holy Spirit desires to use you and as you make yourself available. If you don't make yourself available, you will not be used. Will you step out of the boat in spite of what it looks like sometimes and say, go ahead and use me? Not because I want to be seen, but because I want to be used. Yea, God. Selah. Amen.